You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Oh, it's great to be here with you. If you're watching online, great to be here with you as well. Um, if, you, if we're just getting to know each other a little bit, uh, like I said, I pastor in Atlanta with our Every Nation Church there. It's called High Point. Uh, I've been married for 15 years uh, to an amazing wife. Her name is Amy. I have four kids, all under the age of 12. And we have a new addition to our family, a golden doodle named Winnie. None of my family is here uh, with me today, <laughs> uh, but they will be watching online uh, in just a little bit. But we recently had a vacation, and we got away for a few days, got a cabin up in Blue Ridge, and it was one of those extended family vacations, you know, where you, you know, your mother-in-law, the, the cousins, the, the brothers and sisters, the whole shebang. And when everyone gets around the table, uh, the nephews and nieces and cousins, uh, the questions are always the same, aren't they? Uncle Andy, what's your favorite candy? What's your favorite um, what's your favorite roller coaster? And we went to Dollywood while we were in the area. And so there's always the list of favorites. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite candy? And a question came out, what's your favorite movie? And I love movies, a film guy. And I was thinking about it as we were eating at the table. And I have to tell you, one of my all-time favorite movies is Home Alone. It's not Christmas, I recognize that, but it is still one of the greatest cinema gifts you will ever experience, and if you haven't seen it, you've got work to do on Father's Day. Okay, you need to see Home Alone. I'm gonna give you the cliff notes. A family decides to go on vacation to Paris, and one of their young kids is sleeping in the attic in the extra bedroom, and they get in the scramble of getting out of the house and getting to the airport, they forget their kid. They go on vacation without him. Now, full transparency, if you are a parent of multiple kids, you know what? It's easy to forget some folks, okay? Guilty, that has happened before. You know, you're kind of numbering heads and you realize, oh no, where's the youngest? That happens. But the kid wakes up and his parents are gone, the family's gone, and at first, he's so excited because he can eat what he wants, when he wants, he can go to bed when he wants, he can do whatever he wants, but the reality of life begins to set in after just a little bit. And he recognizes that he's actually lonely. He's alone. He feels abandoned. And most importantly, he feels forgotten. People hate to feel forgotten. We will do so much to go out of our way to be noticed, to, to make sure that the, the clothes look right, the Instagram, Facebook looks right. We want to be noticed. We desperately do not want to be overlooked and we don't want to be forgotten. You know what it's like to, to do it. You know what it's like to be it. 
As a pastor, I live and breathe meetings, coffees. I can't tell you how much coffee I consume in a week over just meetings. But I have to tell you what's happened. In, in the course of almost 20 years of ministry, I have set up meetings before. And I forgot to add them to my calendar. And someone shows up to a meeting and Pastor Andy is not there. And Pastor Andy isn't going to be there. And I'm an absolute no-show. Now, does that happen a lot? No, thankfully. But it has happened before. You've probably done that before where you just completely blanked on it. And you know what? That doesn't make anybody feel very special when you don't even remember to show up to the meeting. We hate to be forgotten. It's painful. But what about when you feel forgotten by God? See, most of us have gone through something in our lives, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily articulate it in such a way because if you grew up going to church, and since we're here in the South, right, there's, a little, there's enough church in us to know the right things to say. Well, I know God never forsakes me. Uh, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and therefore the presence of God is with me at all times. Well, we know the right things to say. But the truth of the matter is, you've gone through it enough already in your life where there are moments where you just wonder, God, do you see me at all? Have you forgotten about me? Because what I'm going through is really painful. Some of you know this. Some of you have been trying to get pregnant and you have not been able to get pregnant. And you have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed. And you don't have the breakthrough that you wanted. Some of you have lost loved ones, a mother, a father, a child, and you don't know how to process the pain of what you're going through. You don't know why it happened. You may not ever have the answers you so desperately seek, but here you are, and you're, you're on the inside, you feel and wonder, does God really care about me? You wanna know one of the reasons people walk away from Christianity? It's rarely some giant theological, doctrinal, apologetical issue. It's pain that they don't know how to reconcile. Some of you have marriages and you, you, you have this dream in your mind and, and yet here you are. It's not, what you, it's not what you imagined. How did you get here? How are we stuck? Some of you are having the, the, the greatest success of your life, literally. And yet success hasn't filled the hole of emptiness on the inside. And you're still wondering, God, where are you? Why do I feel this way? I've got great news for you today. It's gonna to take a minute to get to it. But before we do, if you're watching online, I wanna make sure, if I only have you for a few minutes, I know what it's like watching service online. There are a lot of things that can happen that can, that can change the channel on the television or on the phone or the device. I want you to know this if I have you, even for just the next 30 seconds, God has not forgotten you. 
He has not forgotten you. Even though your pain might make you feel like you've been forgotten, he has not forgotten you. And even though you may not see it, he is working on your behalf. Peter writes in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, he's writing to a persecuted and scattered church. These people are going through it. And he writes to them, the opening letter, the opening paragraph, he says, you are not forgotten, for you've been chosen and destined by Father God. Don't quit, in other words. Don't give up. You are not forgotten. You're chosen. You're destined. God's got purpose for you. I know the pain is great, and you're tempted to want to quit, but please don't. You're not forgotten. And David writes in Psalm 34, he says that God, the Lord, excuse me, is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Has your heart ever been broken? Chances are it has. But there is hope today for a troubled heart. I am a living testimony of it. Now, we don't, get to, we, don't, we don't have time to go through all the things <laughs> Pastor Andy has weathered or gone through, and, and frankly, you probably have weathered similar things, but I'm going to share one story with you that, that just, it, it, it's kind of a, a, um, it's a defining moment for me in my 40 years of, of living. Now, I, I mentioned that, I, that I've been married for 15 years. My wife and I started dating well, uh, 16 plus years ago, and I'm from St. Louis. I'm a Cardinals fan. It's been a tough, been a tough few days for us against the Braves. <laughs> Nevertheless, I grew up in St. Louis, and as when Amy and I were dating, we, we, you know, she had family in, in Illinois, I was in Missouri, and, and we got to Thanksgiving. We'd only been dating a few months, and, and we decided, you know what would be great? I'll pick her up on Thanksgiving at her grandparents' house in Illinois. I'll drive her back to St. Louis, and she'll get some time in with my folks. She'll get to meet them, spend some time together. You know, we'll kind of fuel this relationship out. And so, I, you know, we have Thanksgiving at my house, and then I proceed to get in the car to, to drive a few hours to get her in, in Illinois, and I hug my family goodbye, and I, I get in the car in the driveway, and I see my dad standing in the driveway, and there's this, just this feeling, I can't describe it, I don't know how to articulate it, but I just felt a need to get out of my car and give my dad one more hug. I got out of the Dodge Stratus, my sweet ride. <laughs> I gave him this big bear hug. Love you, Dad. I got in my car and drove a few hours to Illinois and I'm spending, uh, getting a little Thanksgiving grub in with her grandparents and some of her extended family. And I'm learning how to play dominoes. They, that is their game, and I'm getting just worked in the game of dominoes, and my phone goes off for the first time. It's ringing, and I, I send it to voicemail, and then it, it just keeps ringing, and I think, okay, I clearly, I need to answer this phone, and I answer the phone, and it's my grandfather. He says, your dad's had a heart attack, and it's very serious. 
I'm about 23, 24 at the time. We need you to come home right away. I got to clear my head for a minute. I don't know what's happening. And, and I, I hang up the phone and I, I literally walk out the door and I begin to pray in the neighborhood where Amy's grandparents lived. It's this old town, very small town. And I just begin to walk the streets and I begin to pray. And I said, God, I am begging you right now, don't do this. I've given my life to you. I serve in your kingdom. I'm, I'm pastoring college students, and I am asking you right now, do not do this. Please. I'm begging you, don't take my dad. And I do the 15-minute prayer walk around the neighborhood, and I'm, do, I'm praying every verse that I know. I'm singing every song that I've got. And I get back to the house just in time to pack up my bags, get in the car. Amy decides she's going to go with me, and we get the call. Your dad has not made it. He's passed. And I have to tell you, while I was overwhelmed in the moment, I still believed that God was up to something. And as we're praying in the car, driving the hours to the hospital, I have to tell you, I was absolutely convinced that God was going to show up in a way that we have seen in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, where God flexed his muscles and he shows his goodness and he shows his character and he shows his power. I was ready, expected, in faith, prayed up, I was everything that I knew to be. We got to the hospital and there was a throng of people. My parents were pillars in our church. And it was like the whole church had showed up in the parking lot. In the waiting room, emergency room, Every kind of room, there was people. And I asked to be taken to my dad. I made my way through the crowd. And I got in a room with my father who's laying on a table. And I asked right there, God, I'm asking for a miracle. You've done things like this before. Do it again. I laid hands on my dad, tears streaming down. And I prayed everything I knew to pray. And nothing happened. My dad passed. It's been close to 20 years. And you can see, or you, well, you, you wouldn't see, but it, it, my, my father and I, we had a very close relationship. He was a pillar in our home, a pillar in our church. And I had no capacity to understand why. My dad was a pastor in our denomination, an elder functions a lot like pastors do in my church and probably here. And my dad had one of those Bibles. Some of you might have one. The, the, remember the zipper, like the leather 
like briefcase that people would put Bibles in, and maybe you've got one, and if you do, God bless you today, okay? The big leather satchel with like the handle, and I mean, it was like a workout carrying that thing around. He had his Bible in one of those, and he stuffed the leather satchel full with candy. He had Jolly Rancher Suckers for kids at church, just loaded the Bible up with it. If you didn't know, Jolly Rancher Suckers are the best kind of sucker. Just like Starburst jelly beans are the best kind of jelly beans. These are facts you need to know, people, okay? My dad would unzip that Bible and kids just would run up to him at church and he would lean down and he'd he'd just be giving out suckers at church and he would say, who's your favorite pastor? Okay, he'd hand out suckers. He had no problem bribing kids. And at the visitation after my dad had passed, you know, the family gets the last opportunity to, to say goodbye. And as you a- approach, you know, the casket, it was an open casket. It was filled with Jolly Rancher suckers. From all these little kids who'd come to say goodbye. And at 24, I did not know how to deal with the trouble that had invaded my heart. The pain, the hurt. And your pain looks very different. Everyone's situation and scenario is completely different, but all of us know the difficulty in reconciling the God that I know in my mind and the God that I am experiencing or not experiencing in my heart. And I got to my home and over the weeks caring for my mom and our family, uh, you know, you, you, you try to do what you know to do. And as a good campus pastor, I know I need to be in my Bible, but I don't even know where to turn. But thankfully, God meets us because he draws close to those who are brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I laid the Bible open on my floor. I didn't even know where to turn. And I went to Psalm 77. And this psalm has become an anthem in my life. And I want to tell you today, there are three things we're gonna draw from it that I believe will follow you all the days of your life. It has become something that I go to in times of pain, uh, in times of difficulty. Psalm 77 has become an anthem for me. And it's helped me to find hope for a troubled heart. This is what the scriptures say in Psalm 77. The writer here is the, he's the music director. His name's Asaph. He is David's top musician. He's the songwriter. He's the sensitive guy. He, he's writing this and we don't know what he's going through. We don't have the context for it. We'll never know. But whatever it is, it's so great that he pens this psalm and it becomes an anthem not only for Asaph, but for the people of Israel whenever they're going through difficulty. And this is what he writes. He says, I cried out to God for help. 
This is what I would confess, by the way, in my bedroom, on my knees, as the tears just poured out. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I'm too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. I remember what it used to be like before this, God. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten, has he forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? See, the writer Asaph, he is, he is so troubled that he can't even sleep. Have you ever been just so weighed down by pain, by anxiety and worry that you just can't even sleep? I literally had a conversation driving in today with someone who is so overwhelmed by what's happening in their life that they're having a difficult time sleeping. They can't even sleep. God, I remember what it was like. My spirit right now, it's growing faint. I'm distressed. I've got untired, I'm stretched out these hands, but but I'm not comforted. I remembered you, God. I groaned, I meditated. I'm too troubled to speak. I want to say something to you, and this is point number one. I, make, I want to make it clear in, in this moment. Asaph is upset. He's hurting and he's broken. And I want you to, 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 to walk with me here. It is okay to be upset. When we talk about hope for a troubled heart, sometimes, if you grew up in the church, we have done a really lousy job at times at giving people room to experience pain and to be mad and to be angry and to be broken and to just flat out want to kick something. And I want, you to, I want you to understand this. It is right and it is healthy for you to be upset. Asaph is literally questioning God in this moment and God found it appropriate to include this psalm in the Bible. Not only that, the people of Israel would sing this in times of trouble. Some of you have done everything you can to kind of guard your heart from from really just being angry and being hurt and being upset. And I've got to tell you, the thing that you need to do today is actually let that thing down for a minute and feel the emotion that God has actually given you. God has given you emotions for a reason. He is a God of emotion. 
And you need to know I was mad, I was angry, I was tearful, I was, I was everything. I'm not telling you that you can go be violent with somebody or do something that, that, that is sinful to another person. Please don't mistake that today. But I'm, I, I'm, I want you to understand it's okay to feel what you feel. You hit your finger with a hammer, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be mad, right? You might say something that you, you might even regret, right? Emotion is normative. In fact, there are people who can't feel physical pain very well. And it's a dangerous situation because their, 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 their nerve endings don't fire properly. And so, for instance, touching a hot stove doesn't send a signal to their brain that this is bad. In the same way, if we cut down, if we shut down our emotions, we are actually sensing what God would have us sense in this moment. You need to be upset. And it's okay to experience that. When you get to verse 10, we're not done with this psalm. The writer here, Asaph, he he says in verse 10, then I thought. He's gone on this litany of, of pain and difficulty that he has a difficult time reconciling, but he gets to verse 10 and he says, then I thought to this will I appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. So you need to be upset and you need to feel what you're feeling. And yes, you need to even sit in your feelings for a minute. Now, hear me, despair makes a a manageable visitor, but a terrible roommate. Okay, I'm not saying to invite this in and let this define you and let pain become your life. And you know what it's like when you've experienced becoming bitter or resentful. But you need to be upset, but then you need this. You need a, what I like to call a then moment. Where you begin to transition into something different. I can't sit here and tell you how long that should be or how long it should take. I know in my own life it was a matter of months. For some it's longer. For some it's shorter. But I was depressed and discouraged and sad, and I was for a hot minute. But then I had a verse 10 moment in my life. Then I thought, to this will I appeal. I remember the God that I've served. I remember the years of long ago. I'm appealing to this. A then moment, then implies a shift, a a transition, an adjustment. Something is pivoting in your soul. Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. Well, God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. 
The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. There comes a moment, church, in your life You're going to have moments where you're going to want to quit, where the pain of what you're experiencing is so great that you are going to want to be done. That's why this message is so important, because none of us get to avoid it. Pain is a part of life. If you, if you know Pastor Keith Tower, our, our pastor, one of our pastors in Orlando, one of the things that he taught me when I was on staff there is that if you're ever going to presume anything about other people, presume one thing, presume pain. That they're going through something. And there comes a moment where you've got to sit in those emotions, you've got to feel what you've got to feel, but then you need a then moment that, to begin to shift in your soul, and then there comes the moment where it's time to declare what you know about God, even though you may not yet be experiencing it. There's a moment where faith has to begin to light again in your life, and your soul has to come alive. I can't manufacture that for you. I can't make that happen for you. But there's a moment where your lips have to cry out, and and sometimes simply by faith, you have to declare what you know is true. Even though you don't yet see it, and even though you haven't yet experienced it, you know this God. I remember in my own room, getting to this place. And I remember, I remember the Holy Spirit literally, I, 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 I realize this may sound strange to some of you, but the Holy Spirit just really kind of coming into the room. Like I, we felt the presence of God, Amy and I, who I ended up marrying. We felt the Holy Spirit ask, can you worship me in this moment? Instead of dwelling on what you don't have, can you find it in your heart to worship and be thankful for what you have had? And I remember that not in my heart and in my soul. Oh, it was tight. If you've ever had a knot that's just tied, you can't, I mean, it it like hurts your fingers to try to get it undone. If your kids have ever pulled those shoelaces so tight and you're like, just cut the shoes off at this point. Oh, those knots are hard, they're painful. Those get on the inside of you too. And I remember this moment, I remember it so vividly, having that first moment where God, (sighs) 
I'm in pain right now, and I don't know where you are. I don't know why you've done what you've done. I recognize that just because pain is pointless to me, it doesn't mean that it's pointless to you. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know how this makes sense in your kingdom, but I know from what I've experienced in the past that you are a good God, and that you are a God that I can trust. Even though I don't see what you're doing, God, I choose to trust you. God, thank you for 24 years with my father. Thank you for the foundation that he laid in my life. Thank you that when things could have gone one way, you steered it another. Thank you for the oxygen in my lungs. God, thank you for a mom and a dad. Thank you for salvation, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you're the God who worked in the life of Moses. Lord, thank you that you're a God who worked in the life of Noah. Lord, thank you that you worked in the life of Joseph. Lord, thank you that you worked through Rahab and Esther. Lord, thank you that you worked through Jochebed. Lord, thank you that you moved and you worked through this person and that person. You worked in Paul's life and in Peter's life. Lord, thank you that you worked through Mary. Thank you that you, you worked through these people over and over again and what you see consistently throughout the scripture is a body of people who have at times experienced pain so great that they wanted to quit but they chose to trust anyway and they worshiped and they praised and they declared who God is Lord, I will remember your miracles. I've got to remember it, Lord. Even though I don't see it right now, thank you that I can look back and see it. What is the word saying? Your path led through the sea. Your way through those tough, dark, and mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. See, there's hope for you today, church. God is working on your behalf. He has not failed you. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. And just because you don't see him at work doesn't mean he isn't working. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.